saying hello, everyone. Welcome to the Battle to Be Trauma Transformation podcast. And my name is Krista Fee. And our scheduled guest tonight, Todd Cabra, is um, having technical difficulties because he is on the road. So we're going to reschedule his appearance. So um, for those of you that came to see him tonight, we're going to just do a short podcast tonight and give you some amazing updates because we have we have gotten some news that our uh, nonprofit status is in progress and the IRS needed a little bit more information from us, which is amazing because that means that we're almost there. So within the next couple days, we should get our final, our letter of um, completion, we should be final. So we have our very first event as a nonprofit organization this Saturday. And I'm going to post a link to that. So please come out and see us. We are going to be at a car show and a pinup competition and a motorcycle show. So there's going to be a lot of really cool things going on and we'll have Phoenix there and we'll have a booth. So you can come and talk to us about the program and what we offer and what might be available for you. If you are military, um, police, firefighter or other first responder, and we do consider all of our first responders, our EMTs, our medics, our dispatchers, emergency room, um, <laughs> if you consider yourself a first responder, we consider you a first responder. So don't think that you're left out because you're not one of the main categories that everyone usually talks about. So usually on our podcast, we talk about the life experience of the life experiences of people who have overcome or are working on overcoming um, a background of trauma and who have transformed their experiences into um, into a life that is phenomenal, helping others, creating change in the world. And we call we call our survivors that have made this transition catalysts because they're literally spearheading movements. They're changing the way we talk about mental health. They're changing the way that we treat mental health. And they're showing individuals that there is hope, there is healing, and that the processes do work if you work them. So this show, in case this is your first episode, is all about victories and celebrations and survival and overcoming and all the tools and resources that it takes to do that and the challenges that we face to do that. No one's ever going to say that it's easy. It is simple, step by step by step, one day at a time, but it isn't easy. So this show is all about giving guidance in a way that shows what the process looks like on people just like you, that shows the steps people are taking that are helping them truly overcome the obstacles of trauma spectrum injuries, PTS, anxiety, stress, overwhelm, all of these different symptoms, um, uncontrollable anger, lack of being able to sleep, all these things that we know <coughs> 
are so common with these traumatic experiences and with the lifestyle that we lead afterwards. So I just wanted to touch base tonight and not leave you guys hanging in case you had wanted to see the show tonight. And Todd will be rescheduling. So don't worry, you're not going to miss it. Does childhood abuse cause narcissism? Ooh, that is a really complex question. Childhood abuse can be a part of what causes narcissism. Narcissism is typically considered to be both nature and nurture oriented. So there is a genetic predisposition that is increased by experiences. So I know that's kind of a, a complicated answer, but childhood abuse can definitely be a instigating factor, can definitely be an aggravating factor, can absolutely be a part of it. So narcissism is a really interesting word right now because our, our culture, our communities are overusing that word. Anytime someone doesn't agree with you or anytime someone seems like they're being selfish, we have a tendency to throw the word narcissist around. True narcissism is actually very, very rare. Narcissism as a full-blown psychological condition is very rare. I believe it's like a 0.03% possibility or something like that. <laughs> For those of you out there that can't see, I'm actually answering um, some audience questions right now. <laughs> so basically, do the abused abuse others? You always hear hurt people hurt people. The abused are more likely to hurt others. But what we need to consider is that even though people have an experience or people have a traumatic background, not all people who have been abused turn into abusers. Not all people who have been through trauma get PTSD. So it's, yes, abused people abuse others. Also, not abused people abuse others. So it's not an excuse. It is not an independent causation but abused people are more prone to abusing others. Does that answer your question? I love it when I get audience questions. It's actually really interesting to have conversations with you guys. Do mental health disorders cause violence and abuse? Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> mental health disorders that's a challenging question because of the way that you phrased it. Do mental health disorders cause violence and abuse? Are you talking about specific mental health disorders? Um, I specialize in working with people who struggle with post-traumatic stress. And currently the psychology community is still calling it post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, we're shifting away from that to just post-traumatic stress or trauma spectrum injuries because it's not not a disorder in the context of uh, many other disorders. Um, so 
one of the symptoms of PTSD that frequently occurs is an inability to control anger, is an inability to control rage. And that is a part of PTSD. And what happens there is our brain has multiple systems. And there is a there's a, an amygdala hijack. And the amygdala is your lizard, your old prehistoric part of your brain that just is reactive. It's your fight, flight. It's literally your danger meter. It's your danger monitor. So the amygdala hijack means that the amygdala takes over because you feel unsafe or because you're triggered. And in that moment when the amygdala takes over, the frontal lobe where your rational, logical mind is at play and the hippocampus where you store memory and where you're also doing some processing stuff, these two parts of your brain tend to shut down. All of the energy is going just to the amygdala. So there is no energy to go to these smart, logical thinking parts of your brain that are rational and can control your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. So in a state of amygdala hijack, a person may have uncontrollable rage, uncontrollable anger. So in that instant, in that moment, the mental health disorder is essentially the cause for their lack of control. It's not the cause for the violence or the abuse. It's just the cause for their lack of control. And people can learn over time how to feel that coming on, how to stop that from coming on, and how to regulate their nervous system so that there is a much broader range wherein that doesn't happen. So it can be healed, essentially. The brain can be healed, the nervous system can be healed so that that hijacking no longer overwhelms the individual. But it does take a lot of attention, a lot of self-focus, and, it, and it, it's not a quick and easy process. So I hope that that answered your question. Ooh, more questions. Let's see what we've got here. Ah, uh, yes, people do use it as an excuse. And very often it is just that. Very often it is an excuse to behave poorly. It is a factor and it is a huge part of it. But what the really big thing nobody ever wants to hear, the really big thing that really sucks to have a conversation about is that no matter what our disorders, no matter what we've been diagnosed with, no matter what is happening in our worlds, our thoughts, feelings, emotions, and behaviors, our actions especially, are always our responsibility. No matter what. They are always our responsibility. And that can be more challenging, of course, and it's really, really scary for people who are struggling to maintain any kind of control. But the truth is that when it comes down to the law, when it comes down to the societal viewpoint, you can't use your ADHD, your ADHD 
and this is because of the comment that I'm looking at. You can't use your ADHD. You can't use your bipolar. You can't use your depression as an excuse for beating your wife. You can't use that and actually get away with that. People in society are not giving you a free pass to behave that way. So it's your responsibility to get the help, to seek the help that you need, to be working treatment, to keep yourself distant if you need to, to protect others if you know you can't control yourself. There are responsibilities that we all have. And unfortunately, uh, there's very little room for people who have any disorders, and, and as you have listed a number of disorders, uh, that sometimes they just have to stay away from people when they know that they're a risk to other people. So that would be that. Super awesome. Thank you so much for asking me questions and for, you know, joining in on the conversation. It's, it's really cool to have, to have the audience pop in and get involved. So I love having conversations about mental health in general, in any way, shape or form. I feel like we should all be much more accepting of the idea that every single person needs mental health maintenance that every single person struggles with a little bit of something, whether it's, you know, uh, some days we're anxious, some days we have a slight degree of depression. We may not be having diagnosable disorders, but everybody struggles a little bit with some mental health issues. And it fluctuates all the time and it fluctuates with our experiences, with our moods, with our hormones, with our diets, with our activity levels with our mindsets. There's so many different factors that determine whether we as human beings are mentally healthy at any given moment or not. So it's up to us to take the challenge to just speak up and say, I don't feel okay today. And that's all right. I would, I would love some support today. Could you just be there to listen to me? Could you just be there for me to express how I'm feeling or what my needs are in this moment? And learn how to listen for each other. <laughs> learn how to support each other. And not think that just because someone sees a counselor or a therapist or a coach, that there's something wrong with them, that there's something broken about them. Because literally those people are merely there to support you. They're merely there to help your life be better. And they're merely there to help you be more healthy. It's no different than going to the gym. It's no different than going to the doctor and having a checkup once in a while. No different than going to the hairdresser, the massage therapist, and the dentist. It's just life maintenance. And we should be encouraging everyone to be receiving those types of life maintenance. We should be learning early when we're young how to be mindful, how to meditate, how to focus our attention on the present moment instead of stressing about the past and focusing on the future so that we don't lose every moment of our lives to sadness, guilt and shame and worry and fear so that we can just be in the moment and experience the happiness that's there for us. We should learn at a young age how to handle stressful situations, how to calm our nervous systems. 
And it's very easy to calm your nervous system when it's not completely overridden. If you learn young resourcing, then you will automatically use it when you need it for emergency situations. So if you learn some breathing techniques that simply soothe your nervous system, some vagus nerve breathing, some deep, slow breaths in, deep, slow breaths out, that just slow your respiration, slow your heart rate, which automatically calms you down. There's just so many small techniques. Tapping is a great one for reducing stress and anxiety. Just so many different things that we could teach young people to be prepared for the ups and downs of life in a way that is nurturing, in a way that is healthy, in a way that creates adults who don't feel like they're depressed and anxious and extreme all the time. And we swing back and forth all the time between, I'm not sure I want to get out of bed and I am so anxious I don't want to walk into the store. And that's just normal daily life for so many people and they don't even realize that it doesn't have to be. It's so normal for so many people that they don't realize that it's not healthy, that it's not the way our bodies are supposed to function. We live in a society that is so high pressure, high stress, high stimulation that we don't notice that we don't have any downtime. We don't notice that our nervous system never calms down until we try to go to sleep and we just can't. We can't shut off our brains. Why is there so much going on? Why are our thoughts going all over the place? We don't notice it until we try to rest and can't or until we go to rest and we can't stop resting. Some of, some of us just sleep a ton, watch television, eat food, drink alcohol. We numb ourselves with coping mechanisms that aren't the right coping mechanisms and they don't work and we just cycle. High stress, slight depression, high stress, slight depression, high stress, slight depression. And this is not normal, natural or healthy. So how do we prevent that? How do we change that? You learn resourcing. That is what, that's what the Sahara Rising program is all about. It's literally the 12 keys to happiness, the 12 keys to learning how to balance your life on every level, nervous system, neuroplasticity, um, which areas of your brain are functioning at different times and how can you maximize that? How can you maximize your attention in the here and now? How can you minimize your attention in the past and the future? How can you process and integrate traumatic experiences that have happened to you in the past that are still haunting you and causing you to behave in cyclical patterned ways that don't serve you? How can you recognize relationships that are good for you and relationships that are bad for you? How do you communicate with people in a way that expresses your needs and your values without demanding of them or accusing them or laying your expectations on them. All of these things are addressed. All of these things are taught in, in uh, my programs. 
So there's just so many tremendous layers of what does it look like to heal a human being? What does it look like to live as a healthy human being? And what does what role does mental health play in that formula? And ultimately, every single person that I talk to every single day has mental health maintenance that they need, has resourcing that they could use, has tools that they need to get through a day in a healthy way that is joyful and happy instead of miserable and sad and lonely and empty and anxious and overwhelmed. So that is what this program is all about. And that is what I'm here for. And thank you so much, um, Adam, for jumping on and asking some mental health questions. And I am so happy that you're so interested in disorder. Uh, it is very, very interesting to study all the different disorders and, and how they play out and how each disorder is just a magnified version of normal behaviors. Um, and, and that's really what you're looking at is every single disorder is an extremely magnified version of behaviors you see every day and every person. So, you know, when we say we're clinically depressed, well, most people experience some depression. We, when people are, you know, generally anxious, we have general anxiety disorders. Most people have days when they have anxiety. So, the disorders are literally just extremely magnified, extremely exaggerated versions of normal human states. So the question from the lay person is always, at what point does it become a disorder? You know, we we're so used to having all of these different symptoms to some degree. At what point do we know that we need help? At what point do we reach out and say, oh my gosh, this might be a problem in my life? And most people don't reach out until something really big happens, until it's a danger to yourself or a danger to someone else. So, or until someone else forces you to get help, someone else in your life. So if we're all getting general maintenance, if we're all taking really good care of our mental health, those things won't be allowed to progress to full disordered behavior or there won't be so many people with disordered behavior who don't get it diagnosed early, who have to wait until something really horrible happens that completely changes the rest of their lives before they get help. So I would love to see in a perfect world that mental health is something we talk about all the time, just like fitness, just like nutrition, it's just another part of your physical being, of your health, of your wellness, of your everyday habits and behaviors. And if you just took the time and energy to make it a priority for yourself, we would all be so much happier. We would all be living in and I, what I call the state of bliss, which is when you're able to be present in the here and now and fully experience 100% with all of your senses, what is available to you right now? Instead of 
dwelling on your regret and your pain and your anger from the past or your anxiety and fear about what might happen in the future, you literally are in a base state of calm, of ease, of comfort in the moment where you have the power to choose who you are, how you want to represent yourself out in the world and what you want for yourself in this moment. You experience the pleasure, you experience everything there is to see, to hear, to smell, to taste, to touch. In every moment you engage fully and that is living. How many of us are living? Most of us are just getting by. So stop just getting by. So if anything I've said tonight resonates with you, if you are wanting more, if you're ready for more, if you feel like mental health awareness, mental health conversations should be easy and comfortable and just a part of the everyday natural lifestyle like nutrition and fitness, I always offer a free planning call, a free session to just, you know, see where you're at, see what you need, see if we can come up with a plan together to help you get on a healing journey that will change your life. So just give me a message. Let me know if you have questions, comments, concerns. I'm always here. And thank you so much for listening tonight. I know it was not the podcast you expected this evening, but it was very fun for me to get the opportunity to answer some questions for our audience. So again, I am Krista Fee. I am the owner and operator of Sahara Rising and the president of Battle to Be, which is our nonprofit organization for our military, police, firefighters, and other first responders. So please do just message me, say hi, uh, follow the follow me on Instagram, follow me on Facebook, or follow the podcast. That would be awesome. We're going to have some amazing, amazing guests coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, and I'm going to go live at a few events this weekend also. So just... Do all those things, like and follow, and help us out by sharing our posts. We would love that. And please have a fantastic, fantastic rest of your evening. And try to focus on being present in the here and now. Let go a little bit of the stress of focusing on what might happen tomorrow. And Krista, be out.